Hi, my name is Nikki, and welcome to Quick Picks, a reader's advisory podcast for all kinds of media available at the library. If you want suggestions on what to try next, we're here to help. Happy spooky season, listeners. Today, I'm going to talk about murder. For October, I wanted to offer up a long list of creepy and spooky things that you can consume that weren't your typical scary stories, with monsters far more believable than boogeymen and paranormal creatures. Murderers. Human-on-human crimes. Fiction and nonfiction across a wide range of media types, I'm going to share with you my favorite stories about murder. People often ask me why I'm so into crime and murder stories, and I think it goes back to my early childhood. When I started kindergarten, my family lived on the northwest side of Chicago, and despite city life, they weren't really too worried about their five-year-old daughter walking two and a half blocks alone to and from school every day until December of that school year, when everything changed. That's when John Gacy was arrested and his crimes were revealed to the world. My parents were oddballs, and they told me all about Gacy's crimes, including that the bar on the corner near our house was one of the locations where he often frequented. At five, all I understood was that killers hung out in bars by our house, and I became totally petrified of bars throwing enormous temper tantrums if I was out with my mom, who didn't drive, and we had to walk past a bar. For a long time, I'd insist on crossing the streets to avoid them, but eventually my mom put her foot down and refused. I have distinct memories of standing 10 feet from the door of a bar and wailing my little head off, too terrified to walk past the door in case a killer popped out and snagged me. I couldn't go anywhere alone anymore, both because my parents wanted an adult with me at all times, and because I was so afraid of being kidnapped and killed. I should point out that it was the 70s, and knowing all about serial killers in kindergarten was one of the lesser traumas I survived in an era when it felt like dark and insidious things happened all over everywhere. In second grade, a new girl transferred in, and she had two younger sisters. I liked them. We all went to Girl Scouts together, but she was never allowed to play with me because of how strict her mom was after her brother died. I found out later that her older brother died at the hands of John Gacy, so they were kept under lock and key and trusted no one. Gacy was interspersed in my childhood as much as Sesame Street, Holly Hobby, and Tonka Trucks. I got early and traumatic vicarious exposure to serial killers. I believe that's how it all began. One of the things I'm most afraid of and most invested in is killers and those who bring them to justice. Today I'm going to share some of my favorites, true crime stories and not true crimes, available on streaming, podcast, and as books. I'm going to start off with TV and streaming. Mindhunter on Netflix. It's a fictionalized telling of the beginning of the FBI's Behavior Science Unit and the agents who launched it. It takes place in the 1970s about two FBI agents who study serial killers, specifically Ed Kemper, to develop profiles and analyze behavior. I can't even explain how disturbing and spellbinding Kemper is for the interviews, and it's worth watching just for that. There are two seasons. 
Different infamous murderers are interviewed to help solve ongoing crimes as the unit grows and gains feet. Unbelievable, also on Netflix. It's not really a murder show, but it's one of the most powerful crime dramas I've ever watched, so I had to include it. It's about a serial rapist and all of his very different victims who have very different psychological reactions to the attacks and the way that the police treat the victims. Then two female investigators piece together the pattern and collaborate to try to catch the guy and vindicate the women who were often only partly believed or disbelieved outright. So important to watch. People don't react the same to trauma. It's infuriating and heartbreaking, and it teaches so very much about the importance of believing women. On Prime, you have Under the Banner of Heaven, which is based on the John Krakauer book. This series is fictionalized detectives in this investigation, but the crimes and history of the fundamentalist Mormon extremists and and the history of the extremist Mormon violence is real. It's one of those train wreck stories that you know going in is going to end very, very badly, but you can't stop watching as minds unravel and evil emerges. Also on Prime, Only Murders in the Building. This is so much fun. It's cute and spoofy and silly, and it's a murder show about three residents investigating a murder and airing a podcast about their findings almost in real time, creating hijinks and conflicts, and this is for anybody needing more fluff in their murder stories. Steve Martin is so lovable, Martin Short is, well, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez is actually really charming. The last one on Prime that I'm going to talk about is Reacher, based on the Lee Child books. It's dark, gritty, and oddly amusing about a rogue ex-military tough guy, Jack Reacher, investigating the murder of his strange brother in a small town in Georgia. It's violent, it's macho, funny, sensitive, and there are conspiracies and shady businesses But overall, it's a wildly entertaining series. HBO has one of my all-time favorite series, True Detective. It's absolutely the best murder drama out there. Season 1 is phenomenal. 2 is okay, but has a really cool scene in it that's epic. And 3 is so fantastic it's almost as good as 1. The mysteries are gripping, but the standout magic here is the dialogue and the delivery by the actors. Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey are awesome in the first season, specifically McConaughey with his dark nihilistic ways, and it's utterly engrossing. I'll skip season two and rave about Marshala Ali and Stephen Dorff. Yes, Stephen Dorff was excellent. These shows are so dark, so sinister, so unsettling. The series may leave you a little despondent. Hulu has three of my other favorites. The first one I'm going to talk about is The Killing. It's older, from 2011 to 2014, but it's an absolute must if you like police slash murder dramas. The two investigators, Lyndon and Holder, are one of the most entertaining set of partners I've ever seen. Total opposites and yet complementary. The series starts with a missing young woman, Rosie Larson, and when her body is eventually found, the ripples and the amount of lives it drags into the inquiry are far-reaching. It's powerful, 
everyone is very flawed and there's some outstanding acting here. Not just the actors investigating, but those who play Rosie's parents. Next is Top of the Lake. It's also an older one, but it may not be for everyone. I found it engrossing. It takes place in New Zealand and the location is as much a character as the weird people who occupy it. A little girl has mysteriously become pregnant. So right away, you know, there's a pedophile, at least, among them. And then she goes missing. Her father is this beastly drug dealer who has control of the town. There's a truly bizarre tribe of international women living in shipping containers and following a quirky guru. And there's so much ickiness going on that it feels like a different time or planet. It's very weird. There are two seasons as well, but the second season is a wholly different mystery. And then there's Luther. It's a British cop show that ran from 2010 to 2019. And if you don't already love Idris Elba, you will after watching this. There are complicated relationships and complicated characters. And there's this woman named Alice who is a psychopath who kills people and who is in love with Luther. So this adversarial thing with him trying to prove she killed her parents somehow morphs into a silent allegiance as Alice shows her affection by doing bad things to help Luther out. It's unique and dark and you both fear and love Alice all at once. It's one of those odd murder shows where you cheer on the murderer. PBS has another one of my absolute favorite series, Broadchurch, and I'm talking about the original from England. I will rewatch this about once a year because this character-driven show is just one of the best. And it should be too with David Tennant, Olivia Coleman, and Jodie Whittaker, who absolutely shine in their roles. You have Hardy and Miller investigating the death of a young boy and the emotionally charged parents of the dead child in this small town made up of complex people with complex problems, so many of which seem to weave into this mystery. Discovery Plus is the network for murder and crime nuts like me, so I watch often. And one of my new discoveries is the show Very Scary People. Each season, they pick a handful of well-known cases of mass serial murderers, or in one case, a serial rapist, and they dive deep into a two-part telling of the crimes and how or if the person was caught. What's great about the series is it often interviews people who were related to the murderer or living victims, which very much makes it all a lot more relatable and sympathetic. Like, you hear about how many men John Gacy killed or were found under his house, and other places, but hearing from the actual investigators and families is totally different. Jim Jones was responsible for hundreds of deaths at Jonestown, but in this show, you hear not only from the survivors and family, but his actual son, with whom he was frequently at odds because the young man saw through his father's lies and propaganda and tried to tell people. It's really chilling. When it comes to true crime, podcasts are rocking the industry and there are a ton that we should discuss but i'll just mention the ones that i like or recommend first and foremost case file the anonymous host of this podcast is all about crime cases and not about the notoriety and all we know is he has an australian accent 
He highlights famous and infamous and unknown cases all over the world, and it is the number one true crime podcast for a reason. It is very much documentary style, well-researched, and no frivolous commentaries about the cases. Just the facts, ma'am. Crime Junkie. Ashley Flowers and her best friend Britt Prewa host this podcast about true crime mysteries, some solved and some unsolved, and they are relatable Midwestern girls full of opinions and emotion and enhancing the stories with their take on the situations. So if you want a little more drama in your stories, they deliver. If you listen to podcasts at all, you know about Serial, because it's a very famous award-winning podcast and The first season focused on the Heyman Lee murder and the controversial conviction of her ex-boyfriend, Adnan Syed. Sarah Koenig spun off of her work on This American Life to do Serial as a series-long look into the Adnan Syed case, and it brings up a lot of really compelling questions about the investigation and his guilt. This podcast set the bar for future true crime podcasts, and few have met it. And Adnan was just set free, largely because of the excellent investigation done on Serial. If you find all of the random everyday crime talk boring, and you're only really moved by extreme cases, give Sword and Scale a try. It is by far the most disturbing look and deep delve into the grossest, most deranged stories, some of which made me physically ill, so only those with a strong stomach should proceed there. As many serial killers as I've read about, the most terrifying to me is the Golden State Killer. And not for most of the tellings I've read and heard, but based solely upon the in-depth series, Man in the Window, Paige St. John tackles the daunting task of telling us about the crimes, about the psychological torture afterwards, the close calls, the mocking, the stalking, and the relentless search for the serial killer, which haunts me to this day. The level of cruelty Joseph D'Angelo exhibited is beyond nightmarish, and the nerve it took to take on couples, multiple victims at once, and how he immobilized husbands while he attacked their wives gives me rage and horror just thinking about it now. If you want to know all of the atrocities committed by this monster, this is the podcast for you. For some local interest, our next-door neighbors in Fox Lake, Illinois, had a nationally infamous case of crime. And I'm calling this accused murder that turned out to be suicide. And even though I followed all of the articles and news about the stories about Lieutenant Joe Glinowitz, I managed to learn a ton from listening to Over My Dead Body, Fox Lake. Matt Baglio interviews the key investigators, the local media, the witnesses, and many of Glinowitz's victims throughout the years. And it's so revealing and sheds such a creepy light on Fox Lake, its administrators, and its law enforcement. The effects of this 2015 event still haunt the area. You haven't heard everything, and you will be shocked to find out the things you didn't know about this dishonorable guy. And without further ado, I also have a list of books. There are so, so many mystery and thriller books that are about murder. I'm not going to specify fiction this time. I'm going to focus on nonfiction. 
And I'm not going to talk about the really famous ones like any of the Anne Rule books or Devil in the White City, which truly belongs here because of how many murders H.H. Holmes is suspected of committing, or Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, or classics like In Cold Blood. I have a few others that you may have heard of, and some you may not, that if you haven't read and you're a crime nut, you might want to at least try. You can't talk about the Golden State Killer without talking about Michelle McNamara's book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, because she died doing so much extensive, obsessive research for this book, and she's the one who dubbed him the Golden State Killer. Like I already mentioned, he is the scariest killer to me, and while she doesn't go into the extreme details that the podcast Man in the Window does about the assaults and the murders, it's still disturbing and creepy. Maybe you know the story of how she died when she was almost finished with the book and her husband, Patton Oswald, and other investigators finished it for her. Or maybe you heard about the, how the path that she was on researching and passionate about was exactly how they caught him using genealogy websites. It's sad that she didn't live to see that he was identified and arrested, but she worked with people who caught him, and the book is the culmination of her digging and interviewing and probing to try to catch him. Michelle died in April of 2016. Her team finished the book, and it was published in February 2018, and two months later, in April of 2018, D'Angelo was arrested. Part of the heartache of the book was how close she was and that she missed the very thing to which she gave her life. Furious Hours by Casey Sepp is another culmination of years and years of research, this time done by Harper Lee after she wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. Her intent was to investigate Reverend Willie Maxwell, who was suspected of killing multiple family members, wives, and a neighbor. Maxwell was never arrested but was instead shot to death at the funeral of his own stepdaughter by the stepdaughter's brother because everyone knew Maxwell had killed the young girl he was there pretending to mourn. The problem with the book was Harper Lee herself, the perfectionist, who both struggled to find the story's protagonist and in being 100% truthful in her account because nothing based solely upon witness accounts and memory can possibly be 100% factual. Accounts differed, perspectives differed, and people differed. She had this history of working with Truman Capote on In Cold Blood and saw how some of the facts were skewed, which she vehemently did not want to do. Her obsession was writing the best book possible, and she poured over it for the remaining years of her life, never writing it properly, never finishing the project, and Casey Sepp stepped in and wrote this amazing book about Harper Lee investigating a murder that gave her writer's block. But it's such an enjoyable read if you're a fan of true crime or Harper Lee. The Midnight Assassin by Skip Hollinsworth is about an unknown subject dubbed the Servant Girl Murderer in the early 1880s, who killed and maimed women in horrific ways late in the night in Austin, Texas. And this story, while horrific, is absolutely fascinating because the killer was never caught. What's perhaps the most fascinating thing about it is the attack stopped when Austin installed these 31 amazing light towers, 165 feet tall, that illuminated a 3,000-foot area. 
making the darkest nights in Austin much brighter and safer. The murders stopped, and some wondered if the killer moved to another area to continue his spree, but we will never know. To this day, there are still 17 of these light towers in the city of Austin, and not a lot of people know about the origin of the heinous serial murders they prevented from continuing. There are so many more, and I've already talked about Killers of the Flower Moon and Lost Girls, which bear repeating as high recommendations. What's scariest of all to me is how common murder is, even the barbaric, violent kinds, and how very many things I could recommend to you. When humans lack humanity is my idea of the worst horror of all. Happy Halloween season, listeners. I hope you find autumnal entertainment that keeps you warm on these colder nights. And that brings this episode of Quick Picks to a close. We hope you join us next time for more suggestions in different genres and maybe different media. My name is Nikki, and Quick Picks is coming to you from the Round Lake Area Public Library in Round Lake, Illinois. The end.